because we couldn't make numbers on a screen or code look cool or sexy enough. Therefore, we resorted to making a BS fake Bitcoin coin. Hello and welcome to the Noob Investing Podcast, Episode 5, Investing in Bitcoin. I'm your host, Jaron, and today I'm going to go over everything you may already have heard about Bitcoin, and then some. Once again, dear listeners, I do feel compelled to tell you that I am not a financial advisor, and this podcast, if you couldn't tell based on the name, doesn't provide any financial advice whatsoever. I am a noob investor, and if you decide to take anything I say, on this cast as financial advice, then that's on you. This podcast is meant purely for entertainment and educational purposes only, so keep that in mind. Also, full disclosure, I actually hold Bitcoin myself. Not a lot since I only bought into it relatively recently, but a bit. Just thought I should mention that so people don't think I'm trying to manipulate the price of Bitcoin by convincing my listeners to buy it. Yes, me, the noob investor just flexing all that influence I have on my handful of listeners, you know? Now, with that bit of PSA out of the way, let's get started with the topic of today's cast, namely Bitcoin. something I never really understood, to be honest, or at the very least, I was very dismissive of it every time I heard about it, because my thinking was always that it was a bubble that was bound to pop at any point, and it doesn't do anything, or it doesn't really function as a good payment alternative. In addition, I thought that there was no really good method for analyzing what Bitcoin is worth say like a discounted cash flow method for a company, for example. So for me, Bitcoin was always something I knew about, but wasn't really that interested in investing in. Now, while I may have come around a bit to Bitcoin, I wouldn't say all my concerns or doubts regarding Bitcoin are gone. So given that I am someone who invests in Bitcoin and I still have some doubts, I feel actually that I am well positioned to provide a well-balanced and nuanced take on it, at least more so than many people online who either see it as the future of all currency or the next tulip mania. Side note, if you aren't familiar with tulip mania, just Google it. It's actually quite interesting, but also very educational. So with what I just said in mind, I will provide you today with information on what Bitcoin is, its history, what are the pros and cons of it, and why I personally made the choice to hold Bitcoin. Now, dear listeners, the more I hear about, I hear people talk about Bitcoin, the more I am convinced that there are three types of people in this world. The people who have heard about Bitcoin, but don't understand it enough, don't understand enough about it, so they just dismiss it outright. The people who understand it, or at least think they do, love it, and then buy a ton of it. And lastly, you have people like me, who did some research into it, but are sort of in the gray area regarding investing in it. So in order to address the first group of people who I doubt would even listen to this podcast, let me provide some background on what Bitcoin is, 
And if you happen to fall within the other two groups, then you probably are already should know most of what I'm about to say. Anyway, so in any case, here goes. So it all started in 2008 when the Bitcoin white paper first appeared online. In this PDF, some random person or group of people that referred to themselves under the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto detailed the use of a peer-to-peer electronic cash system, cash system using blockchain technology named Bitcoin. Now, there is a lot to unpack there already. So let's start with the author or authors, namely Satoshi Nakamoto. Satoshi Nakamoto is a fake name. There is no real person called Satoshi Nakamoto that created Bitcoin. People have put a lot of effort into trying to find out who this person is, but at least as of this recording, nearly 13 years later, we still don't know. So, as I just said, the creator of Bitcoin is a total mystery. So, what that leaves us then with the next question, what actually is this Bitcoin that this mysterious person or people created? Well, I think the most concise way to explain it would be to describe it as a decentralized peer-to-peer electronic payment system that uses blockchain technology and cryptography to keep track and secure and verify all transactions. But in essence, that is what Bitcoin is, though. Let's dissect that a bit, each of the components of that, in order to get a better description of what Bitcoin actually is. So what does it mean to be decentralized? Well, basically, that just means that there is no central entity that regulates Bitcoin. Think like a central bank that tries to regulate how much money is in circulation or that can print money whenever it is convenient. As the name implies, a central bank is a centralized system that controls the money, whereas in contrast, Bitcoin has no centralized person or entity regulating it. Everyone who holds Bitcoin essentially has a say in what happens to Bitcoin. Now, moving on then to the next characteristic of Bitcoin, which is the peer-to-peer electronic payment system. This is just as it sounds, I can send you Bitcoin as a payment or vice versa digitally. In contrast to normal everyday fiat currency like dollars or euros, there are no physical versions of Bitcoin available in the real world. That being said though, it does amaze me how much effort people went to in order in several of those, you know, stock footages you see of people holding a physical coin with the Bitcoin logo on it like because we couldn't make numbers on a screen or code look se- cool or sexy enough. Therefore, we resorted to making a BS fake Bitcoin coin. But I'm getting off topic. Sorry, I just needed to really vent that out a little bit. It amazes me how stupid some people are and how stupid people are for believing that's what Bitcoin is. Anyway, on to the last bit of that initial description that I gave of Bitcoin, which is the blockchain technology and the cryptography. I should probably start with saying that a lot of this goes way over my head and I think I understand some bits of it, but I'm not 100% certain, so take what I say with a grain of salt. In any case, regarding the blockchain technology, it's essentially a database which is referred to as the ledger, and its main purpose is to keep a digital record of Bitcoin transactions. And what is also important to note is that this ledger is not controlled by any one specific entity, like a bank. Like we mentioned earlier, Bitcoin is decentralized, and what that means in the context of the record-keeping is that no one single entity holds the information, say like a bank, but instead all the transactions are verified and maintained by nodes. So these are the Bitcoin miners. 
Now, if you aren't familiar with Bitcoin and how it operates, then this part might get a bit confusing, especially considering I started out with explaining blockchain and found my way to miners. But I promise it makes sense. So, like I said, the record of all the transactions is decentralized. Therefore, instead of a bank that keeps track of everything, it's the people themselves which are referred to as miners. Basically, how that works is that whenever there's a transaction, then that transaction needs to be recorded on the blockchain, and this is done by the miners. The miners use a GPU to solve a mathematical puzzle. The first miner to do so gets to add the record to the blockchain. Why is this necessary, though, you might ask? Why, why do you need like miners, and why do they need to solve puzzles? Well, Bitcoin needs to be both secure and transparent. Otherwise, no one would want to use it. By placing a system like the blockchain, which keeps track of everything and cannot be altered by any one person, it solves the transparency issue and the security. At least assuming you have multiple miners who maintain the blockchain. If there were only a one or a handful of miners, then there would be a serious problem because these, this small group of individuals could effectively manipulate Bitcoin for their own selfish gain. So, in order to get around any one or few miners being evil, Bitcoin has many miners who each randomly solve a complex puzzle and get paid in transaction fees, or whenever they complete a block, they get some Bitcoin as well. In doing so, the Bitcoin blockchain can remain decentralized and outside the control of any specific person or group, at least in theory, but we will get to that in the pros and cons section. I should also mention that a block is basically like a page in the blockchain ledger and miners race to complete a block because whenever they do, they get rewarded in some Bitcoin. So that's a quick look at how Bitcoin functions, but why does Bitcoin have value or why do people see Bitcoin as an investment? Well, I've briefly mentioned some things about Bitcoin that make it appealing but I should maybe also stress what are the concerns from people regarding the traditional fiat currency system. Because if the fiat currency were great or perfect, then no one would even be looking or considering an alternative like cryptocurrency or Bitcoin. If you are unfamiliar with the term fiat currency, it basically just refers to dollars or euros, for example. The technical definition is government-issued money that is not backed by a commodity like gold, but instead is backed by the trust people have in the government that issues the currency. The use of fiat currency allows central banks to better regulate the economy as they can determine how much money is printed or should be printed. Additionally, fiat currencies only have value because people believe it has value, and the currency is backed by the government. So as long as people believe that, for example, the U.S. government is good for the dollar and their debts, they will also believe that the U.S. dollar has value or is valuable. It's sort of like you would trust your best friend or your parents' IOU, but you wouldn't trust some random stranger's IOU. So I think the main issues people have with fiat currencies is that, one, they are controlled by a centralized entity like a central bank that people have started losing trust in, and given the 2008 financial crisis, people are less trusting of banks in general, I would say, and don't trust them to not cause another financial crash again in the near future. So that was the first reason. There's also a general lack of transparency when it comes to fiat currency. 
This touches on, again, that sort of first reason, basically, because basically it refers to the fact that the money is regulated by a central bank, and that bank doesn't disclose all the crucial bits of information that might be relevant to the citizens. So, ergo, lack of transparency. The third reason people don't really like fiat currencies as much anymore is sort of like the fake money problem. And what I mean by this is that fiat currency can be falsified or counterfeited. In contrast, Bitcoin only has a certain amount available, and all the transactions that occur need to be verified by the miners on the blockchain, so it's extremely difficult to falsify Bitcoin. And lastly, the value of Bitcoin seems to function like an inflation hedge, unlike fiat currency. Like I mentioned previously in a previous podcast, inflation is a thing that exists and makes the money you have now be worth less in the future, assuming you don't invest it. So just to briefly explain what inflation actually is, it refers to the price of goods increasing because either, say, the central bank prints too much money, or they they keep interest rates low, so it's much easier to borrow money. So basically, you can think about it like there's too much money chasing too few goods and services. This is at least the best analogy I've heard regarding inflation. helps me understand it a little bit better. But for a more concrete example, you can probably think of something like, you can probably look at something like the price of a bottle of Coca-Cola years ago and compare it to what it is right now. If you look 20 years ago, a bottle of Coca-Cola was significantly less expensive than it is right now. And that's because essentially more money has been printed because we need everyone to have money. So there's so much money that, and there are only so many bottles of Coke what that leads them to is each bottle of Coke needs to be worth more money. Ergo, inflation. And to come back to the original point, though, out that I was trying to make regarding Bitcoin being a hedge against inflation, Bitcoin only has a limited amount available of it, namely 21 million Bitcoins that can exist. Therefore, as long as it's perceived as valuable, the price of goods and services may rise in terms of overall dollars and euros, but so will Bitcoin. And because of that, it hedges out inflation while fiat currency can't do this. So those are some of the points that get brought up as to why people dislike fiat currency. But just because you dislike fiat currency doesn't automatically mean you are a major proponent of cryptocurrency or Bitcoin in specific. So what is it about Bitcoin in specific that makes it the largest market cap crypto in the world and has provided it with more widespread adoption amongst not only people, but also companies? Well, first off, the pros of Bitcoin are, well, number one, I would say, is that it's a better alternative to sending money than via a traditional bank. This has to do with the fact that the payment from a bank in one country to another country with a different currency doesn't have to take some days in some cases to uh, get resolved. So that's one thing already. So Bitcoin essentially doesn't really have borders like a normal bank does. In addition to that, I already mentioned this, but Bitcoin is more secure and transparent than a normal bank, provided you know what you're doing, of course. By this, I mean that the blockchain technology behind Bitcoin that everyone can access, but that can't be hacked unlike banks. We also touched on is that there are a limited number of Bitcoins in the world. So limited supply combined with increased demand leads to increase in price slash value of Bitcoin. And because this happens, Bitcoin ends up functioning as an inflation hedge or 
as most people tend to call it, a store of value for those who own Bitcoin. And I think that aspect of functioning as a store of value is becoming more and more clear to people once they notice that 22% of all the dollars in the world were printed in 2020. So that's a lot of money in circulation that was only recently just printed. Again, I'm not a financial analyst or economist, but I would be very surprised if that amount of money printing didn't have some measurable impact on the economy in the near future. Additionally, and this is something I think many people take for granted, and that is that Bitcoin is the most well-known and the first cryptocurrency. Just having this distinction is quite big because whenever someone is considering investing in crypto, Bitcoin is the first thing that comes to their mind because that is the one that they have heard about and that is always on the news. And this essentially just means that Bitcoin will, will be and already is sort of like the gateway drug for getting started in, with investing in crypto. Simply having this status is a strong upside for Bitcoin over many other cryptocurrencies because I don't think many people in the general public who have, don't know that much about crypto know more, uh, more different types of cryptocurrencies other than Bitcoin. I'd be surprised if they can name, for example, Ethereum or Ripple or, I don't know, that there's a difference between Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, you know? So it's a big distinction to have the name Bitcoin and it, it draws people towards you. Lastly, and I think this is somewhat underscored, is that many companies have started to have Bitcoin on their balance sheet, like Tesla or Square or MicroStrategy. Now, many people might point to this and say that that's the last thing they'd want with Bitcoin for large centralized companies to hold it, but I would argue that's a benefit. The reason being that the adoption of Bitcoin by large, large companies effectively means that these companies are incentivized to preserve their investment. So if government regulations start, then these companies will be heavily impacted and therefore will fight in favor of their investment. And in doing so, they try, they'll also indirectly be protecting your investment in Bitcoin as well. So that's upside right there. And hell, it's now apparently possible to use Bitcoin to buy Tesla. So Bitcoin is becoming more and more adopted by the day, it seems. So that about does it for the pros of Bitcoin. I'm sure I might have missed some stuff, but I think these are some, some of the important bits that I wanted to list. And yeah, to summarize those very quickly, I think, let's see, Bitcoin is a better, better for overall international transfer of money. Bitcoin doesn't require trust since it's built into the system essentially with the blockchain, making it safe and transparent. In addition, there are only a limited number of Bitcoins, therefore it acts as a store of value. It's also the most well-known crypto, so, you know, it gets the most attention. And Bitcoin is becoming more and more widely, widely adopted by large companies like Tesla and Square. Now, let's move on to the cons of Bitcoin and pander to all those Bitcoin naysayer, naysayers out there. No, just kidding, of course. These are things I think people should at least consider before investing in Bitcoin and is overall useful to know about. First and most obvious thing is that the price of Bitcoin has historically been extremely volatile and will probably continue to be volatile for quite some time. 
This is a problem for anyone who likes to invest in a stable and predictable investment and less in anything that can go up by 100% one day and down 50% the next day, you know? So if you're looking for a predictable investment, then Bitcoin probably is not that for you, I'm afraid. That not only holds true for the investment, but also for the use of Bitcoin as an everyday payment system, I'm afraid. I doubt anyone would be very pleased to find out as they are paying for stuff that suddenly the value of Bitcoin just halved and they need to pay twice as much in Bitcoin than they would have the day before. And to come back on the subject of predictability is the valuation of Bitcoin. You see, when people evaluate whether investing in a company is a good investment, they can look at the annual reports to see how the company has performed over the years and make predictions based on the past performance to try and discern a fair valuation for the company's stock in the present. The same, unfortunately, cannot be said about Bitcoin. As in the case of Bitcoin, it's at best a commodity that doesn't actually have any function or performance like a company for investors to analyze over time. And like fiat currency, is dependent on people believing it has value. So it's difficult to predict what the price of Bitcoin will do on any given day, and there are no defined methods for analyzing and making predictions either than doing a technical analysis on the Bitcoin price chart, which, you know, very reliable stuff. Now, in case you thought I was done touching on the unpredictability of Bitcoin, then you'd be very wrong, because of course, there's more. So I think many people who invest in Bitcoin unfortunately think that it will completely displace fiat currency and be the one true payment method in the future. And the sad reality is that as Bitcoin is currently, there is no way that that scenario would be possible. The reasons being that it simply is not able to process that the amount of transactions that would be required to do that on a global scale. For example, Bitcoin can process roughly 7 to 10 transactions a second. To a certain extent, I believe that has to do with the fact that Bitcoin uses proof-of-work consensus system, which is quite secure. However, it requires many miners to compete against each other to solve a mathematical puzzle. And this is just not as efficient, maybe, as other forms of consensus, uh, like proof-of-stake. In any case, 7 to 10 transactions already doesn't sound like much, but to give you an idea how little that actually is, let's go to the list of comparisons. The second largest cryptocurrency by market cap is Ethereum, and that, depending on different sources, is set to process between 20 and 30 transactions per second. Then, looking further, we also have Bitcoin Cash, which was a fork from Bitcoin. This essentially means that At one point, people disagreed regarding some aspect of Bitcoin and decided to make a separate blockchain and token called Bitcoin Cash, which has many of the features of Bitcoin except that it can process more transactions per second. In the case of Bitcoin Cash, it can process between 60 and 80 transactions per second, which is much better than regular Bitcoin in terms of scalability. But contrast these numbers with the current incumbents of payments like PayPal, which currently handles around 200 transactions per second at least. Or, for example, Visa, which can handle up to 24,000 transactions per second. Clearly, there is a huge difference between Bitcoin and these other payment systems. 
And that is not to say that Bitcoin can't do better though, because Bitcoin has the Lightning Network, which is a second layer or off-chain solution for processing transactions faster, but does bring with it its own unique set of drawbacks regarding security. I couldn't easily find online how many transactions per second the Lightning Network facilitates, but presumably it's a lot more than seven since it's supposed to be used for processing much smaller payments with Bitcoin. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say regarding the Lightning Network for now, mostly because I don't know enough about it to go into more detail, but maybe that will have to be a topic for a future episode as well once I do learn more about it. In any case, moving on to another drawback that I don't think gets brought up a lot, and that is while Bitcoin is decentralized, it seems to be getting less and less decentralized over time. It was actually on a publication from Bloomberg.com that they reported in 2020 that almost 50% of all Bitcoin transactions were being performed by only five large entities or companies. There used to be more miners, however, as specific mining operations though got bigger and bigger and made it increasingly more difficult for your everyday Joe to do it profitably. As a consequence, apparently five groups have managed to acquire a large portion of the total Bitcoin computing network. This is, however, not a major problem right now, of course, but it should be noted that if these five companies or entities decide, screw it, let's monopolize Bitcoin, then they can effectively perform what is known as a 51% attack. This is where any person or group of people control 51% of the computing network and can therefore block specific transactions from taking place or from even being confirmed. Again, very much the opposite of a decentralized system and the opposite of what many people would expect Bitcoin to be. And lastly, at least I think it's the last con of Bitcoin, and that is that while there is only 21 million Bitcoins total, many, and I mean many people, have lost their keys. So they can't access their Bitcoins. It's estimated that roughly 4 million Bitcoins are lost forever. Let that sink in though for a bit. 4 million out of the possible 21 million Bitcoins are lost forever. That's a big deal though, since that's roughly 19% of all the Bitcoin that can exist or will ever exist. This may be a problem since the overall supply is always represented as there will be 21 million Bitcoin, or we're currently now roughly at 18 million-ish Bitcoin, but in reality, there are less Bitcoin. And more and more, if more and more people want to buy it, that just artificially inflates the price, which is not good either, I guess. And lastly, I did mention that that was sort of the last drawback, but there are some things that I'm not, I, don't, I didn't really know how to best classify them or what to make of them right now. And this has to do with the fact that, for example, roughly every three years and nine months, there is what is known as a Bitcoin halving. This halving refers to the amount of Bitcoin that is created or released to miners. When Bitcoin first started, his reward was 50 Bitcoins, but slowly with each halving, the rewards dropped to 25 and then to 12.5 and in 2020, the reward dropped down to 6.25 bitcoins. The reason I'm not sure what to make of this is because the rewards are sort of the big payoff for miners to maintain the network. So 
naturally, the first thing you think of is, well, what happens if in like 2078, when all the Bitcoins are mined, will the miners just stop because they don't get paid anymore? And if that's the case, will Bitcoin just, you know, stop existing then? And that is a big issue, but it's hard to really know and say definitively what will happen when the last Bitcoin is mined. Because the argument I hear a lot is that, well, when there are no more rewards, the mine, then the miners will still get paid in transaction fees, which will be drastically higher by that point, presumably. So I don't know what will happen or what the landscape of digital payments will be like, or if Bitcoin will even still be around by then. It's, it's possible that the fees will be high enough to pay the miners or, or not, I don't know. And because I don't know, I'm not really confident in saying anything about that. I thought I should just mention that though, inform you and just move on. That's one thing that I, I think about as well. Like, will these transaction fees just be enough or what will happen then? You know, because if the miners stop, then that, that is a big deal. But that wasn't the only thing I wasn't sure about. Because there is one more thing and I think right now it is quite a big problem but maybe it won't be as big of a problem anymore in the future, or it actually might right now be stimulating an answer to this problem. I'm of course, well, of course, referring to the fact that as of right now, the amount of energy that, is, that it takes to power the Bitcoin blockchain and allow these miners to maintain it and keep those miners working currently rivals the energy consumption of Argentina. Now, this is a huge waste of energy, but it should be mentioned that this increased energy consumption might be forcing people to adopt greener energy sources in order to reduce the energy bill and have better margins on mining. So while it's definitely not great that so much energy is getting wasted, it is. it may be helping the, with the adoption of greener energy sources and moving us to a more sustainable future in the long run. So... I don't know how appropriate that argument actually is, but it is something that I was considering. And therefore, I just put it in sort of this uh, unknown category regarding Bitcoin. So to summarize, Bitcoin has some pros and some cons versus fiat currency. And as I mentioned before, I'm not a financial advisor and I do hold Bitcoin myself. I'm still on the fence regarding Bitcoin, not necessarily because I don't think it has some potential as either a payment system or what I and many probably think is more likely, and that is as a store of value. In the end, I think Bitcoin has several things going for it, and some points of concern, but I hope I've done a decent job at listing both the pros and the cons. Of course, I don't think of myself as a Bitcoin expert. Now I still have much more to learn, and I've already noted that there are things I still don't know, but I'm hopeful I've, hopeful I've been able to share what I've learned thus far with you. So, dear listeners, that brings me to the end of this podcast. Now, as promised, I always try to provide some resources. I would recommend anyone who is looking to learn more about investing and specifically the details about Bitcoin to check out Investopedia. There they do a fantastic job of explaining Bitcoin in a clear, concise way, which really helped me in trying to communicate that to you for this episode. Next off, we have the Coin Bureau YouTube channel. 
I swear, the host of that channel is fantastic and will do an amazing job at explaining to you all things Bitcoin and altcoin and stablecoins. So do yourself a favor if you're looking to get into crypto and check the Coin Bureau out. In addition, we also have Crypto Casey. Her YouTube channel and podcast do a great job as well explaining all the ins and outs of cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin, so check her out as well. Now, I hope you found anything I said to be of some use. I tried my best to do both sides of Bitcoin justice and provide you with the information that was available to me. And I think I managed to get most of what I wanted to discuss off my chest for this episode. So if you want to reach out to ask me something personal or you would like to ask a question on the cast, you can reach me at noob underscore investing at hotmail.com. In addition, if you want to join a thriving community of people eager to learn more about investing, well, that's probably not how I would describe my Facebook groups as of yet. But if you still want to join this remote group of investors consisting of me, myself, and I, then go to the Noob Investors Facebook group and join now. So for the next episode, I'm currently reading up and learning more about the CPAAS sector, which stands for Communication Platform as a Service Sector. And I'm currently reading up and learning more about two companies in particular in that space that I've kept my eye on, which are Twilio and CM.com. I think both are quite interesting and I'm looking to uh, looking forward to understanding them a bit better and the space a bit better uh, in which they operate in order to determine which of them might be a better investment and whether or not they are trading at a good price. So stay tuned for that next episode where I do a deep dive into that space and explore these two companies a bit. And with that said, thanks again for listening, everyone. I'll talk to you soon again. Peace.